This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disaster Girls, a podcast where we discuss all things disaster film. I am your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we have, we're so excited. We have a guest here today, and it's a very, this is like, I feel like you're an elite guest. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is, this I feel is like you're an elite a fangirl guest. moment for, for sure. Yeah. And so elite cool. guest, would you like to introduce yourself to, to the yeah. listeners out there? I'm Sarah Marshall. I'm the host of You're Wrong About and the co-host of You Are Good. And I'm so excited to be here because I love disasters and I love girls. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Well, Truly so two of my favorite topics. So here <laughs> we are. You know, turns out that Venn diagram, we both find ourselves in the middle of that Venn diagram, me and you. So mm-hmm. I'm thrilled about that. It's a really, there's a very niche department where you, those two things overlap and I'm thrilled that we've got not, that we've managed to find like all of us together for this. Yeah. So what yeah. movie have you brought us today? We're discussing Deep Blue Sea by Rennie Harlan. Who I just looked up and he's Finnish and I was like that this is the first famous person I can think of that I know about who's Finnish. And so I assume Finland is just a country full of Rennie Harlan now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if there is a country full of people who made the movie The Long Kiss Goodnight, then that sounds like a <laughs> top tier place on my wish list to be. Wait, he That's also made The Long Kiss Goodnight? Yeah, Rennie Harlan was, yeah. I think he was married to Gina Davis okay. um, for a wow. time in the 90s. And he is the director of the Gina Davis is perfect vehicle, The Long Kiss Goodnight. That is a one of the things I love about direct, like looking at directors IMDb's is what a diverse. So like sometimes you can get people who it's real niche and then sometimes just like, wow, that is that is a diverse array of films right there. It's like everybody who saw Mad Max Fury Road and then looked up George Miller and was like, happy feet. <laughs> happy feet. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody sometimes saw that coming. They're sad and sometimes they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's the end of civilization post water wars, and sometimes you just got to dance it out on the remaining Arctic ice. <laughs> I guess technically, Happy Feet could be a prequel to yeah. Bad Max if you really want to. Yeah. So true. No, absolutely. When you think about it, anything can be a prequel. <laughs> everything can be a how it started how it's going yeah (laughs) now Mad Max cinematic universe includes (laughs) the last duel every yeah everything that came before Mad Max is technically a prequel to Mad Max because it's like Mm -hmm. look what you lost everything we were we had it all Ben blonde Ben Affleck blonde bisexual Ben Affleck oh that was the best Ben Affleck anyway um yeah So is there, do you, do you see Deep Blue Sea when it came out? Like what was, what, what is your attachment to this movie? Do you yeah, have what any, is this or movie was it just siren like song for you? Yeah, great question. So I didn't see Deep Blue Sea until the summer of 2020. Oh. I was watching a lot of disaster horror, disaster mm-hmm. survival movies. Um, and this movie just like really captivated me in the way that big bombastic spectacular movies uh, 
can. Mm -hmm. And I watched it with friends last night to prep for it. And at least one of my friends was like, this is like not a good movie. Why do you love this so much? (laughs) And I was like, I can't explain it, but like, I really, really do. Like, I just, I love it. (laughs) That's also, that's, that is a, that is a patently ridiculous fucking question. If something's got a five on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm first in line. I'm like, oh, so it's going to be good. Like, so we're going to have a good time. Exactly. And that's the thing. There are people who like don't want to watch a five movie. They want to watch um, a nine movie or maybe one movie. Mm -hmm. To me, like a five on Rotten Tomatoes is like competently executed. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, we have a we have a noted friend of the pod uh, named Marin who really if it's below a 95 percent on the aggregator meter, she doesn't want to hear me talking about it. She doesn't want to doesn't want me to recommend it. So I've learned my lesson on that one. And I guess I guess I felt, I mean, I am happy to go anywhere on that meter. And I think Deep Blue Sea is like, there are many things about it that I understand and on even on many levels agree with criticism of, but I'm it's just, it delights me on so many levels. It just makes me really happy in terms of how flat out it is and yep. also how it, it has a sense of humor. And you know what? In the scheme of shark disaster movies, this is a mm-hmm. top end choice. Like, unless you're in like, oh, okay, this is Jaws. You. This is like, this is, this is yeah. fucking Jaws. Like this is prestige mm-hmm. cinema kind of thing. Press like the, the invented the blockbuster. You look mm-hmm. at like the, the canon of shark disaster movies is not one that is mm-hmm. defined by movies like Jaws. It is defined by movies like Megalodon versus Mastodon and Sharknado. And you look at Deep Blue mm-hmm. Sea and I, this Deep Blue Sea is like the explanation is like all explains why I was so underwhelmed by the Meg. I was going to say mm-hmm. on a scale of Jaws to the Meg, like the, the Deep Blue Sea falls, I would say closer to, I would say this is the middle. I would say Jaw, Deep Blue Sea is the midpoint on a scale of Jaws to the Meg. Because the Meg is, mm-hmm. the Meg is, it, it's, it's a fine time, but it's almost inexcusably boring. Yeah. Like it's not a dull movie, yeah. but for how a movie called The Meg about a Megalodon starring Jason Statham should make you feel, right. Deep Blue Sea delivers on that far more than The Meg does. And so even watching that, like, hey guys, let's do a crazy big budget like shark movie again. Like we haven't done one of those in a minute. Didn't live up to Deep Blue Sea. So this mm-hmm. movie, I, I think if you consider it in its context, it becomes something, something more mm-hmm. than I think the if you compare it to cinema, I mean, personally, I like to use, I like to use a scale of how long does one of the main characters ride the shark using his fin? Honestly, that's my main (laughs) metric of how good a shark movie is, is how many seconds of a guy clutching onto the fin of a shark do we get? And this delivers, Mm -hmm. this gives you a lengthy bit of, of Thomas Jane and unexpected. I'd forgotten he was in this movie. (laughs) <laughs> right simply the final girl and you that. forgot about him i just i knew it was like a blonde guy i just couldn't remember who it, that it was thomas jane pretending to be steve mcqueen mm. oh he is yeah. oh yeah and i guess like i love to see a hot man with a shark or yeah. a woman with a shark for that matter it's one of my interests I feel like especially when when that man is the one who has the kinship with the shark, like because we oh, we obviously get course. the scene where like they're because like the entire point of 
this this deep sea the entire point of this like far out in the ocean atoll where they're studying sharks is they have against the rules of the company and laws of nature uh mm-hmm. the top scientists have genetically and gen- genetically enhanced the brains of the sharks because the shark brains produce this protein that can be used in a, a theoretical pill that could treat Alzheimer's. And one of the lead researchers on this project, like the main, like two, one of the two main scientists, she, it seems like her family has been torn apart by Alzheimer's and she is like mm-hmm. dead set, like maniacally single focused, committed to curing Alzheimer's. And so she is going to tamper with these sharks. So we go out with business guy, Samuel Jackson, who presumably is like high up on the group that is running the funding for this this yeah. organization He's solely responsible for their funding and they're all responding to that by being real rude to him <laughs> yes <laughs> they are Everyone they are not gotta being be a kind. Real dick to the money guy that's yeah. the key especially if the money guy is as cool looking as sam as sam jackson is like yeah and has a has a mysterious backstory about yes he, uh, something yeah. he went and did where there was a there was an incident and not as many people came back as went out on the trip in the first He's place. Like, I'm the original yellow jackets. <laughs> <laughs> you know he would have made it out of the woods. He you did. know, yeah, you know he would have been on he would have been on team cannibalism probably sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. No, if you're and gonna have CEO. And also, like Sam Jackson yep. is the only person who can with who can stand up to a pack of feral teenage girls. Like that, <laughs> that I fully <laughs> Have we not gotten that movie yet? Have we not gotten the movie that is Samuel L. Jackson, like coaching girls soccer or something like that? That'd be great. Yeah. How have we, how have we, like, where's his bad news bears? I'm shocked. Mm. This guy will make a lot of different kinds of movies up and down the Mm -hmm. spectrum of quality. I, he needs his bad news bears. That's a great. I'm so for it. (laughs) Oh Yeah. But for now, he is uh, the smug money guy among a bunch of scientists mm-hmm. and shark shark wranglers, and uh, right say shark owners because that's a really funny concept. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he he's getting there right as the bulk of the crew is leaving for the weekend because they run a skeleton crew during that time, which is which is of course a tip off right away that like well this is going to go downhill really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, reality index for me personally, this is something where I was like, if I am going to a remote location, I don't care what's happening. If I find out that the rest of the crew is leaving, I'm leaving immediately. <laughs> that is just a personal rule that I'm going to put into place to, for my own safety. And Amanda's turning right around and getting on that ferry with all the I, other I'd employees. Be like, cool. Your work here is fantastic and important. I'm going home. You're not leaving a medic here. The skeleton <laughs> crew. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see your full operation. Like the skeleton crew involves a chef, but it doesn't involve any medical team. That's a very good point. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Which has never occurred to me. (laughs) Oh, as soon as, as soon as the shark bites off uh, Stellan Skarsgård's arm, I was Mm. like, a medic would have been probably a good idea. Like, I feel like that's an OSHA requirement. Do we use a tea towel on him? It's fine. It's and it true. takes them, it takes them so long to administer a tourniquet. Like the woman who I guess he's with her, I don't know what her mm-hmm. job is on the on the, the, the thing. Uh the one with the short blonde hair. But like mm-hmm. she's just like pr- like pressing towels against his arm. It's like Ma'am, he has been fully severed just below the shoulder. We're going to need something uh-huh. a little bit more than apply pressure. Like somebody gets something 
somebody gets something to restrict blood flow on this man's arm. And it takes them a while yeah. for Samuel L. Jackson to like remove his belt and make a turn to get out of it. Out of yeah, it. why is the CEO the most competent person here? That's maybe the most unbelievable. Isn't that a twist? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. It's the, like CEO and Shark Wrangler are like the two guys who could like who could make yeah. it in the elements. And this movie, credit where it's due, does a very good job with subverting the expectations of a movie like this, particularly mm-hmm. in the time that it was made. This mm-hmm. like we have the CEO who's perhaps the most competent person there. He gets his like right in the middle of his like gladiator monologue. A shark jumps in one of in one of the great disaster movie deaths of all time. Shark so jumps funny. out and snatches him in the water and bites him in half. You have you you have LL Cool J being like. Black men aren't going to make it out of a situation like this. Like brothers never make it out of a situation like this. And who are our two people in the end? We have our heroine. Mm-hmm. She she takes it in the, the final minutes. LL Cool J mm-hmm. and the Shark Wrangler. This movie really does play with some of the tropes of both mm-hmm. this genre and also just sort of movies to this point in like the year 2000. Yeah. It yeah. was commenting on itself. Guys surviving together. That never happens. It, it, it doesn't happen. And th- like this movie is like come in its way, in that way. This movie is commenting on itself as it goes. And I think people mm-hmm. don't give it that kind of credit for being that self-aware. I'm really glad I we agree. get to lose uh who's the who's the guy with the the one who's like, who are you gonna trust? Like that guy who's oh, like, Michael Rappaport. Yeah, Michael. I'm glad we Michael lose Michael Rappaport. Rappaport. I'm glad we yeah. lose that guy. He doesn't shit talk the very end, but he we get a trending today. And I was like, he yeah. better not be dead. And it turned out it was something else. <laughs> no, he's just a narc. Michael Rappaport. Yeah, I feel like yeah. <laughs> whenever it's trending <laughs> for him, good. it's never good news. No, it's yeah. Michael it's Rappaport always his being fault. Michael Rappaport. Yeah, and it's yeah. always his fault. <laughs> yeah. Nope. This time he was just being a narc. It's, you know, very Come expected behavior. Go make another shark movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More valuable than this. I, at this point, like, I feel like you just end up lecturing the shark, though. It's no good. <laughs> uh, although I wouldn't mind watching the shark eat him. Like, if he starts to lecture the shark about respectability politics and all of a sudden the shark just eats him, I would be on board for that. I mean, we know oh this shark God. doesn't do monologues. We know these the sharks shark don't does have any time like, for it. No. no. We get really good we get really good man versus shark deaths in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, like the, t- I think it's totally unexpected when shark like we've established these sharks have gigantic brains. So they're smarter. They plan, mm-hmm. they strategize, they can swim backwards. I didn't know sharks couldn't do that. No, you um, got to swim forward because they, either. if they, so the way that sh- you need to be able to move, move forward. Cause then the water goes through the gills. Ah, mm, okay. But that they don't really, sense. yeah. And I like, I feel like in this we like, cause one of them is in the kitchen with LL Cool J. It forces him into an oven. He, forces him into an oven that I don't believe a man the size of LL Cool J would fit in <laughs> because uh, there is no industrial it's one of oven. those big ovens that they mm-hmm. use on shark research stations yeah it, it's one of those crematorium ovens really that could fit a body yeah. the size of LL Cool J's and when he like it turned like the gas knob accidentally gets hit so he's like getting uh, carbon do we think accidentally or do we think that the shark did it on purpose well, I would like to think knows how the shark work. knows I I, th- I fully want to give credit to the shark. The, the shark is like, I would prefer, actually, one of my big theories in life is like the difference between humans and other animals is that humans cook their food and like, like not cook it, but like 
prepare it. We do, you know, mm-hmm. we're the only species that is like, I want to pair this with a nice sauce. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that this is the shark evolving as the shark's like, I'd actually like my LL Cool J medium rare. Oh, that's well, nice he, yeah, that, I don't know that, that there's a pilot light on. So I think he's just going to get heavily carbon monoxide polluted LL oh. Cool J if he ever gets him out the of that oven. Like, I'm tired of these victims thrashing around. <laughs> I just want to save her. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done enough work today. I want to I want to make this easy on myself. Then LL Cool J is trapped <laughs> in this oven. care. Oh, we respect, we stand a shark that, that practices self-care for sure. <laughs> I, I do not believe that the hole that LL Cool J cuts with an ax above his head into the above oven to get through. I do not believe that hole is also big enough to fit LL Cool J. I mean, that hole is big enough to fit LL Cool J's head, but he gets his whole ass body through that thing to crawl yeah. out the top oven door. I was like, come on guys. Also, better not catch one single spark with that metal axe against that metal oven while you're in mm. like a box of gas. You know, these, Jordan- these concepts are meaningless to to Renfield Harlan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, you're really, I think, overestimating how big LL Cool J is. You know, the camera, right. the camera adds <laughs> 10 pounds and at least two feet of height. LL Cool J was like the first swole rapper. That I is know. a bus. So Jordan, not many people know this. That was actually all padding and he weighs about 110 pounds and he's my height. Mm. I'm not even, I'm not even going, I'm not even going with this. That guy is <laughs> yoked beyond belief. And that is a tiny ass oven and a hole that is smaller than that oven. And I don't care, but like, I will not, I will not shortchange I, the hard work that LL Cool J had put into being a swole rapper in the, the 90s and 2000s. I didn't even think twice about him. I was like, Good job. Clever to finally remember you have an ax on you. I yeah. was on board with it. I, I mean, clever like to be like, you know what I can do? Blow this goddamn shark up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It was it's very satisfying. The The way that he blew up the shark was amazing. <clears throat> he, he gets two little... out of the three sharks in this movie. I know. Yeah. I would argue that LL Cool J is the true hero in this movie as he's oh, the only yeah. one who undergoes yeah. any sort of character arc. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. He also, like, I, also I really, I love like, I, I, I would almost, I, I could have, as much as I enjoyed this movie, I could have ended this film with LL Cool J saying, you ate my bird hard as fuck. <laughs> and then throwing the lighter because that was mm-hmm. so satisfying. And like, given that you have an iconic kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. Sure. And this movie is trying very hard to hit the same emotional, like to the point mm-hmm. where they, as they approach the station by helicopter, they fully ripped off the Jurassic Park theme, but like played it in minor it notes. Really wouldn't did, you? Right? Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. You? yeah. It was like it was it was the theme, but in minor in minor key. And I was like, okay, well, that's yeah. Yeah, I gotta say they held their own, making a kitchen scene that feels different. I was I I would not put this on par with the Jurassic Park kitchen scene, but it's definitely like. Not a complete failure of a kitchen. It's a good kitchen scene. I think. In, I think a thing to a thing to remember about any aquatic movie is that even if it's like I, I think this is a good shark disaster. I think it's a really good one. Even if a movie though is not good and it's an underwater aquatic movie, mm-hmm. it is a movie that got made while yes. everything was underwater and soaking yeah. the fuck wet, and everybody mm-hmm. had to be in that water, and you had to shoot under. I mean, it is. It is a miracle, in my opinion, to make a movie that exists like 
70, 80, 90% underwater. So props yeah. to these people for making these set pieces happen. And what I would imagine is logistically the biggest pain in the ass situation you could possibly create for yourself in a set. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Even just for the actors. Imagine being wet for that much of your workday. Like oh, God. Sweater. Yeah. Yeah. No, Awful. That's- that sounds miserable. Like being <laughs> yeah. in wet, like LL Cool J's in chef clothes the whole time. Yeah, that he doesn't even get a wetsuit. Not... He doesn't no, get a wetsuit. He's, just... he's in chef clothes. Chef clothes. That wow. was going to be damp and heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I bet just... it's like a cotton poly blend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, just that's just going to chafe. Just that's pruny for mm. weeks. No, it's a. Uh... I'd like to think so when, when LL Cool J is rounding the corner initially trying to get out with like, and he's looking for his bird and he turns the corner and there's not water yet. And then the wave of water comes down and he just yells, Oh shit. And starts running from it. I'd like to think that was improvised because I'd like to think that that was LL Cool J's moment of realization of what he's gotten himself into. (laughs) I think this movie does a good job of over and over again, doing the effect of people getting whooshed by water. Sorry, Sarah, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I find it really funny that this movie feels like it's trying to emulate both Jurassic Park and Titanic. <laughs> and so you can see why it would get funded because it's attempting to be a combination of two of the most financially successful movies of the previous decade, I assume. Yeah, um, that's a pitch. That's a and pitch. It's also... And it totally is both these things and is also neither of these things. And maybe the main reason is because the people are like, they're a lot less lovable than in these other movies. The element is way less important. And it's just more like, want to see a bunch of incredible stuff happen. And you're like, boy, do I. In a way that I appreciate. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, the thing about the characters not being as lovable, that's for sure. Right? Other than LL Cool J, who's Other back, I'm LL like, cool J. LL Cool yeah. J and Sam Jackson have the two backstories where I'm like, I want to hear more. I want to know everything about you guys. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jane's character is a former Such a Thomas Jane character. Oh, my God. Well, he's like a felon <laughs> who's also just somehow a shark whisperer. And I'm also curious mm-hmm. about him, but we know nothing about him. That could be yeah. you could have just been like, so this is Thomas Jane's backstory. I would have been like, definitely. Like, like you could have been like, he's a felon, but a shark whisperer. And then he started acting by chance. And I'd be like, so Thomas Jane, like that, (laughs) that feels very appropriate. Yeah. But we don't ever, it's not like we're like, he's a disgraced marine biologist. He's just some random dude who likes, who's really good with sharks. It seems like he was hired Mm -hmm. from a bar. It seems like he was picked up in a, in like a, in like a beachside bar. And they were like, hey, you went to a bar. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they kind of have their own bond. Yeah, but also I have, like, I don't ultimately want to know about, I, like, all the other characters we know nothing about. I didn't realize until Skellen Skarsgård's arm is gone that blonde lady, nope. who I thought was throwing down vibes to Sam Jackson the whole time, is apparently mm-hmm. his, I thought that she was doing, like, the woman is Australian, so the poor woman made mm. a lot of acting. She was forced to do her regular accent, to do an American accent, and whenever mm. she was doing an American mm. accent, was making a lot of choices with it. She sounds like an AI voice. It's very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really like he Stellan kisses her when they realize that the proteins are interacting with like the 
the mm-hmm. Alzheimer's uh, tissue, With the brain yeah. cell. Yeah. yeah the, the brains, they realize like, oh my God, this is successful. It's working. When he kisses her, I thought it was just like a fit of enthusiasm. Like he grabbed the nearest mm-hmm. person to him. And then like when Adrian she's like, Brody. yeah. Yeah. And then when, then when she's like weeping over him after he loses his arm, I was like, Wait, they're an item. When did this, <laughs> when did oh, this, this enter awkward. the story? Yeah. Did she know until right now or did she see him in, in distress and realize she was overcome with her like buried feelings for him? That was a, I, hers was a sad, I heard her death made me really yeah. sad. Cause you're like, Oh, I know you're gonna die. Yeah, and her character is the one that you think is gonna, I feel like we often see her kind of character be the one that's going to be like mm. way too whiny the entire time and never get it yeah, together. And so people like are constantly going to have to. Yeah, like they're constantly gonna have to be coddling her and caring for her. And she doesn't. She really hangs in there. And then mm-hmm. when she dies, it's like, oh, you had to go. You had to be part of the body count. But like, you weren't yeah. a pain in the ass. And I, I appreciate that about you. I hate it when characters in these movies say, I don't want to die. Is that that's not something I'll assume about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. That's given. Given information. She's like, I don't want to die. And then she gets shot and you're just like well thanks for reminding me <laughs> otherwise i would have been like maybe she's fine with this <laughs> whenever characters yell that i think of the thing in the good um the good place where uh janet is like as as you approach this but to reset the good place like as you approach the button i will beg for my life yes. but remember i am not real and then like as they get closer she's like but please what yeah. <laughs> and so whenever characters explicitly say I don't want to die, I think of that music like it at that moment it pulls me out so fast of like, oh right, that's not real. That woman isn't actually right. going to die. That's well, gonna just, be a fake shark that eats her and I it's gonna it's be weird. okay. I think it's weird that's when people say it because it's like the implication is the person they're saying it to doesn't. It's like like well, okay, I didn't wander into the fire, earthquake, collapsing building, water, shark. Like I didn't wander into that to just give myself up. So what the hell do you think I want? I'm trying to figure out a way for us to live. So do you think you're mm-hmm. special because you don't want to die? Let's show a hands. Mm-hmm. Who in the right. surviving core here would like to die? Nobody? What a twist. None of us want to die, Jan. And then immediately <laughs> after that happens, we get an incredible scene where there's a banging on one of the doors to the stairwell. Oh. And Thomas Jane is like, the sharks like must have flooded that area too. But I love that it's like, the movie is telling us to believe that the shark is just like knocking on the door. <laughs> it just feels like that. Yeah. And, and that also in that, in that moment, when he, it's like the door is banging, the door is banging because the door banging happened at another part of the another part of the facility. The door, mm-hmm. even after the door opens and no water comes out, they still stand there staring at the door in suspense, <laughs> like it's gonna be a shark <laughs> dancing on its fins yes. through mm-hmm. the dry door, being like "Gotcha, bitch!" But like Holy they're not like, God. "Oh, that's probably a person." Like it's not until they see physically LL Cool J that they're like, "Oh, thank God, it's not a shark." It's very embarrassing that nobody mentions him. In- until that moment like You're... nobody is there trying to escape is like oh what about the cook ll cool j like, <laughs> nobody appears to think of him at all and then he saves them you're so yeah. right oh my god that's ice cold <laughs> it's a bummer it the, is. I, yeah I, uh, to a degree, I'm like, I feel like there should have been like at least one line about, you know, what about anybody else? But mm-hmm. also, I got to say, if I'm in a facility in the middle of the ocean where super smart sharks are trying to get to me, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not going to remember who the rest of the skeleton crew is. <laughs> but he's point. not the skeleton yeah. crew. He's the mainstay. They all know Preacher. 
I know, but I'm still not going to, rem- I wouldn't remember. I like at that point I'm panicking. I'm trying to get out. I'm not remembering who else is on board of this, of this facility. And I'm not going to be a hero. Like there are super Janice smart Soprano sharks. right away. Yeah. Uh, by the way, can we just like shout out to the Turturro family who is <laughs> apparently like just disaster movie, like the entire family tree. We also got Nick Turturro in a different movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With. Nice. Yeah. With yeah. Ming-Na. With Ming-Na. With Ming-Na. Yeah. <laughs> with the just- weirdest on-screen chemistry you ever did see. Oh, God. <laughs> married, guy- married guys. Yeah, so much. I, I think this movie also has one of the best. It has a couple of my favorite disaster movie deaths ever because it has a Samuel Jackson one, but the Stellan Skarsgård one is great. Like it really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is shark vengeance and agonizing. Yes. Oh yeah. The way the shark just like, well, I mean, would anyone like to describe the sequence? Because I think I that just, you like, should. To me, this is the, the okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. All right. So they run this test they have to run to get shark brain protein to reanimate a dead human brain cell question mark and it <laughs> works and they're like hooray the science worked we're gonna keep our funding tra la la and <laughs> then Stellan Skarsgård goes to kind of like acknowledge the shark who they just took some brain protein from with a big scary needle huge and is like good job pal or whatever and the shark <laughs> bites his arm clean off and things just keep escalating for a while <laughs> in that scene where like first they're trying they're like eventually trying to tourniquet his arm they're calling um some kind of ambulance helicopter to come pick him mm-hmm. up and take him to the arm hospital and so they <laughs> to run him outside in a storm and have him be hoisted up on a big cable in a storm and then um the cable spool breaks and this when it's so close when it's so close to the door of the the helicopter shark grabs the structure Mm -hmm. it's so close it's so fucking close it's like Randy harlan just like has me on a hook (laughs) and is like whipping me around and the shark grab i think that i assume the ringleader shark grabs the structure and then and then we think it's kind of ended and we follow the other people who go back into the lab where they're watching to try and see what's going on. And then Samuel Jackson is like, what is, someone tell me what is that? <laughs> and it turns out it's a shark with the structure with Stellan Skarsgård on it in its jaws. Yep. And it just swims mm-hmm. right out to them and like flings the yeah. structure <laughs> at their window. And then it the window cracks the scientist falls in there's a big tidal wave it's just like the shark is just like in such a bitchy mood it's yeah. <laughs> oh, the I helicopter like the- gets dragged via the cable the structure mm-hmm. is attached to and aida toturo explodes yeah the mm-hmm. helicopter goes into the air traffic control tower of the of the at sea research station and just blows it up mm-hmm. i like that the shark made the specific choice to make sure that his face that he was facing outward yeah, yeah, I think that was an important, like, 
I, I appreciate you're gonna watch sharks. him die mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. the shark's commitment to like to the drama of that moment to be like no it's not just gonna be the stretcher going to I want y'all to see his face it's incredible mm-hmm. it's yeah. incredible and I that 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 I love that another favorite one of my favorite disaster movie moments when that big giant shard of glass when the, the glass starts spider web cracking mm-hmm. and that big giant chunk of glass just like ejects from it and like slides yeah. across the floor next to their feet i that is such a perfect moment of impending doom that takes them all Mm. way too long to react to samuel jackson should not have to tell you okay people we got to get out of here as soon as you saw that glass cracking everybody should have been running for the door because you knew it was structurally unsound Mm -hmm. these are scientists yeah (laughs) they would put that together <laughs> yeah, they make the, the everyone standing there and just staring in shock and horror takes a little. I I mean, I would For a I long would time. be I would be a puff of dust in an Amanda shape at that point. Like it would be. <laughs> yeah, they they all take a long time, and we, unfortunately, we don't get the great Roland Emmerich shot of people out running the water in quite the same way. <laughs> be partly because and. They they don't do a very good job of it. Thomas Jane falls down a lot in this movie. I for, love for the this. lead hero. He mm-hmm. falls. He's he's the weak link here. Like they are constantly <laughs> having to grab him and pick him up and have him come like catch up with the group. What I uh, what I love specifically about that room filling with water and the water rushing at them is when they're all doing the runaway. Thomas Jane tries to he leaps for the guardrail of the stairs to try and beat the wave, but misses it. Mm-hmm. And so he just go like glances next to it as the water catches him and rushes him away. It is a perfect like disaster catastrophe moment. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love the alternate. It's like watching cats in this movie, the alternating mm-hmm. scale of the sharks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Fit, yeah. They're, they're like a size of a six story building, but they can fit in any hallway. They can fit in any <laughs> submarine hallway. And I love that for these sharks because you know what? With their giant brains, I don't put it past them that they're able to alter their space and size like makeup at any point. These are these are shape shifting sharks. Yeah, they end Probably. up because we never really we know that there's like multiple smart sharks there's three smart sharks three yes and then there's other regular sharks i guess and we never really get a head count on how many regular sharks there are i think they i don't think they ever menace anybody i think the regular sharks just exist to be fed to big sharks oh is that it okay yeah yeah Yeah. because i wasn't sure what the deal was with because we do get like a human-sized shark in um doctor scientist lady's room yeah, I and think that's I, just one of the uh, magnificent shape-shifting uh, sharks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I okay. think that is. So it's because, one of the ones that goes from 30 feet down yeah. to like a, a measurable yeah. six. Yeah, because okay. they can fit in any door. They can go through mm-hmm. air shafts. Like these sharks, they're they're like spiders. They will get through any opening. Well, you know, uh, what if like, much like how Matilda can, because she gets smart <laughs> enough and she can move things with her mind. Yeah. What if these sharks are smart enough that they can teleport? What if, what if? These sharks ha- are telekinetic or something. What if they can move shit with their mind? We don't know. I we don't know that they're past them. Yeah. Well, We've established that they have shark. gigantic brains. Yeah. And like, isn't that the thing when there's like a mad scientist, like brain character in a comic that they have physically gigantic brains pulsating off the top of their heads? Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, what I was always told by fiction as a child and as a result, the reason that I believe that I would one day develop superpowers was because I was always told that like, oh, if you're smart enough, you'll just get powers. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm hmm. smart and I'm clearly like 
too smart to be around the rest of my peers. <laughs> so maybe I will develop these powers one day. And as it turns out, no, that was just me misunderstanding what the gifted and talented program was. <laughs> <laughs> gifted and talented, a harvest, a harvest program for telekinetic children. I was, I really did used to sit in my room and be like, maybe I can move. I read Matilda and was like, oh, I can do this too. Cause I also read a lot and misunderstood. And as it turns well, out, yeah, that's, I mean, you never know. Yeah. You got to <laughs> test it out. Yeah. yeah. Like that's just part of the scientific process. You have to experiment. And for me, that was trying to move pencils with my mind. And listen, mm-hmm. advertising is bad, but there was that Super Bowl ad a couple of years ago that was the little kid in the Darth Vader outfit and his parents are watching him from the kitchen and he's like trying to will the car to turn on with his hands using the force. And they, they like, love that ad remote, turn it on. And when his little body shudders, when a car turns on, it yes. was like, that is every child being like, but what if I just try hard enough? Like that is, yeah. that is like, that is like baked into children to be like, but what if I am that special kid who can move things with yeah. my mind? It's so satisfying. So you, you were right to try. Yeah. It is truly, I just realized I muted my, well, anyway, my dog <laughs> is losing his mind. I'm going to be right back. Okay. I think, uh, I think uh, the mailman must be there. Kit's a real traditional mm-hmm. dog. In that he loves to bark at the mailman. Mm. A mild animal most of the other time, but he loves to bark at the mailman. (laughs) I have to ask while Amanda is away. I have to ask while Amanda is away. It looked like on the the Portland trip that Alex made, you guys Mm -hmm. ate these incredible hot dogs. And I would love to know where there are incredible hot dogs in Portland, if that was something you Yeah, those were from Kim John Grillin, which is, I think... I forget where, but somewhere in uh, relatively close in Southeast. Okay. Division or something. When I'm home next time, I'm getting, I'm getting Korean hot dogs. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. Kit, it got like, he's, as we know, Kit likes to bark at the front door. And since we came back like yesterday from the road trip, he is even more like, what the fuck is happening? I was in the wild. (laughs) Yeah. He's not used to being a city dog again. No, he, Mm -hmm. he really was like right back to his. Hi, buddy. Yes, you're perfect, though. Okay, sorry. I just texted Jason to let him know. Yep. All right. So we were talking about the sharks and shape-shifting and then the, um, yes, and then the Super Bowl ad. Yeah, (laughs) then the Super Bowl ad. Yes, telekinetic children. Man, that Super Bowl ad. I've forgotten about that ad. That is an adorable but also, like, very accurate ad for, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I- yeah. Oh, sorry, Amanda, go. No, I was going to say, I'd like to think that the sharks too would like watch that ad and be like, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think this movie, you know, in a movie that involves water, in a movie that involves women, and then you make it a movie that involves women and water and wearing tight wetsuit things, chances are somebody's clothes are going to come off and it's going to be a woman in the movie. Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. tip my hat to this movie and say that it gives perhaps one of the best excuses I've ever seen to have a woman stripped down to her underwear in a movie, because that was a functional survival move that our Mm -hmm. doctor lady scientist made when she electrocuted that shark. I was like, you know what? That's really clever actually. Yeah. Also there's like, I don't know. I just think like, yes, it's a very functional reason to get her down to her very nice uh, underwear set. Matching underwear set. Yes. I'm so proud of her for taking the time to put that together on a big career day. And B, like, I think it's totally reasonable to want to get 
a beautiful woman down to her underwear, she's going to electrocute a shark. Because I just I couldn't agree more. Sexy. So yeah. <laughs> I am with you step by step, 100% of the way. And this, I, I applaud this movie for achieving that in an elegant and like a way that really speaks to the intellectual integrity of the character. She doesn't even hesitate. Right. She's like, I've decided what I'm going to do. This rubber suit that I'm wearing will not conduct electricity. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to fold this up, make a little pillow underneath me. And that mm-hmm. scene of that moment where she's standing with the cable above her and she's gripping it on either side of her head, extremely hot. Extremely hot moment in disaster movie history. And then her whole dynamic with the shark, like she and Thomas Jane both have like interesting shark intimacy. (laughs) Shark intimacy is a phrase that I hope we bring back on this podcast whenever we have the chance. I hope you get to. Yeah. 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 You always want to see like the shark scientist have a, have that like the respect and awe. Mm-hmm. at the presence and like the scale and the everything of the shark. And she does do it. She is respectful of the shark. She isn't, which is why like, once you find out that she's the reason that the shark's brains are so big and that yeah. she has been tampering with sight with, with nature, you know, that she's got to die. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what's different is that I'm like leading up to that. She doesn't have the arrogance or the like, Oh, they're just tools to get. She doesn't. Sight. Her and so Stella really, both respect the sharks. Yeah, which I appreciate that no one is being like the generic villain of like, oh, yeah. the sharks are just a tool to to put our money to to get more money for scientific research or anything like that. She's like she begrudge she respects the sharks. She just also wants to tamper with the sharks. I appreciate right. that the sharks get. I appreciate that the sharks get what they need in terms of uh, vengeance. Oh yeah, their, no, we do their- get we do get shark justice and like she not only do we get shark justice, but she like gives herself as a sacrifice to the creature she has created, which I, Mm -hmm. I did appreciate that about her. I also just to go back to the, to the remove the, the naked part, (laughs) like respect to this movie for yes, she stands, but we don't get like a sequence in which we see her removing the wetsuit and like rolling it down over her butt, which (laughs) with a lesser director, we would a hundred percent have gotten like, a you know an action sequence of watching her prepare but as an excuse Mm -hmm. to like watch her strip and like really linger on her parts this Mm -hmm. movie really just is like no i'm going to create a tableau and she's going to be hot in the tableau but (laughs) it's going to be a tableau i think that's one of the great accomplishments of the movie underwater as well you have a movie in which kristen stewart spends a fair amount of the time when she's not in the the big deep sea like almost space suit that she has to walk around in she's stripped down to almost nothing. Right. And the movie never objectifies her. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the fact of what this person would be wearing in this situation. And there's like a respect for like the power of the character, but it doesn't make you feel icky about it. And this, I would say that this scene uh, accomplishes in its small moment, the same thing. Yeah. It, this did remind <laughs> me a lot of, of the movie underwater um, because it made me think also of, because I, as soon as, so LL, when, as soon as we meet LL Cool J, because mm-hmm. this is really the whole movie for me is the LL Cool J movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as we meet LL Cool J and he's got a bird in the kitchen. And I was just like, that man, <laughs> not a bird in the kitchen. That man is not a trained chef. <clears throat> that is a man mm-hmm. who is kicked out of culinary school and they have, they have hired him like only for cash because he mm-hmm. will only work with his bird in the kitchen. And that is so many health code violations. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it reminded me, and it reminded me of the, um, 
pink hand dryer. So in the opening moments of the movie Underwater, this, mo- and- this the moment that undid the entire rest of the goddamn movie for Amanda in Underwater. Yes. She, so- she, she threw the baby out with the bathwater when she saw the hand dryer. It just set me up for, I, it just changed my perception of this film with, so in the opening sequence of, we meet like Chris, Kirsten Stewart, Kristen Stewart, and she is washing her face in a, in a bath, in a, in a bathroom underwater, not this underwater like drilling facility. And she hears a noise and it's the facility starting to break. But in the background of the shot in this bathroom is this pink hand wall mounted hand dryer, you know, like the hand dryers mm-hmm. that you get at like the old school, like the public school bathroom mm-hmm. hand dryers where you just hit the round button and then it's just a jet <laughs> nozzle of air. Yeah. And it has a diagram <laughs> of bacon. Yes, exactly. So it's like one of those hand dryers and except it's pink and it took me out of the film entirely because I was like, I'm sorry, how ex- how so much so that she is- never got back into the rest. Of I just yeah, that's true. It's a divisive film, but uh, for yeah. this podcast. But the point yeah. being that I saw that and I was like, it's the opposite of Jurassic Park where he's like, we spared no expense. It's like, wow, you guys went cheap. You guys, to build <laughs> I mean, this facility, you went real cheap. Yeah, it fucking and collapsed, so, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I, know. <laughs> I mean, so my point is, is that also with this, I was like, wow, they have this huge facility and they're definitely paying this chef right under, like completely off the books because yeah. he can't cook anywhere else because he has to bring his parrot. And so that for me, <laughs> set up the entire rest, I was like, yep, I'm on board. This place is going to collapse because they, it's a rinky dink operation. Despite all the funding, they're cutting corners as evidenced by off the book chef. Maybe that's How why they think- had the skeleton crew because like they yeah. actually just like they can't they afford. Yeah. How do you guys think that he explained to it? Like, do you think that he ever explained to his parrot where the parrot was? Because like that's explained very- to who? The parrot. To the parrot? Like, I don't think the parrot asked many questions. I feel like that's a very confusing situation to be if you're a parrot. Hmm. I feel like animals adapt pretty quickly. They often live in cages when they're domesticated. I don't that's- know that we have discussions with them about that. I don't know. I just wondered if like, as a parrot, I would be very confused suddenly to be never seeing daylight underwater. Yeah. Like, what if that parrot flies I by the window and sees a shark? Yeah. How do you I don't know. Well, Birds see TVs in homes, and I don't think that they're, right. they're constantly in a state of crisis. Okay, that's true. I don't know. I, I just... To hear from some parrot owners on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to hear. I would like to know, would you, if you had to live in an underground, underwater facility, would you explain to your pet what exactly the circumstances are and would you expect to see any sort of recognition? How would you feel assured that your pet was feeling cared for in these circumstances? I mean, do you think Kit would notice? Yes. Yes. Kit would be very, cause he's like very routine based. So when things change for him, he gets very un like, right, uneasy. But that's, that's, that's the general note of things changing. Not like, okay, Kit, we're going to go to a research facility offshore <laughs> and, you know, they're going to be compartments yeah, and they're going to be levels. That's just like, Kit, something's going to change. And Kit's like change. Like, I, but my dog doesn't, about- my dog doesn't talk. Right. And I realize that parrots just mimic voices, but it does they like, by, they parrot, but also like <laughs> as a result, there is a part of me that because birds can communicate, I do feel like in general, I'm like, well, that just seems much more that feels like you have a toddler at that point. Like you have to explain <laughs> to a toddler, mm-hmm. like you you don't fully expect them to understand, but you'd at least explain to the toddler what's happening. And I feel like the same thing with the bird. Like you'd at least try to explain like, so look, buddy, I would be happy if he was taking that time out for his bird. I hope he was. I'd like to think that he did. He I seemed like a responsible bird owner. On this character. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine he talks to this bird more than he talks to literally anybody else considering the nature of their relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, how do like, I love, I I have to say, I will, I have to shout out the sequence of, I love climbing the tube to get to the higher access point with fire burning above them. Great disaster movie set piece. And either, anytime you can have a ceiling or a floor of flames, do it. If you can afford it, go for it. That's the good stuff right there. Like, yeah. like you said, Sarah, spectacle. Do you want to see amazing things happening? Here you go. Yeah. And I like that the fire doesn't really have any, do anything more than menace. Yeah, I do I too. Like, that. like we've got enough conflict here. Yeah. Let's just have a menacing in the distance. Yeah. We don't need to have them actively fighting against it. There doesn't need to be another villain. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that in the, the moment, I love that the way the doctor lady scientist sacrifices herself because like I get like she I think thinks she's gonna make it out alive but she's willing to accept that she might not and I love that when Thomas Jane recognizes what's happening his instinct is to drop the harpoon and just start swimming towards her as if he can change the outcome of this situation Uh in any way Mm -hmm. and ask him to Burger King (laughs) (laughs) he is just he is on a fool's errand in that water and then like that shark's moving at the speed of a fucking train and it gets to her it's like and then what have you done thomas you're just in the water you've left your weapon behind and now you have to just swim back and get out before the shark gets you dude dude come on now everyone would be so screwed without ll cool j in this yep. movie can we uh, they would be dead many times over oh yeah ll cool j again the actual hero of this film LL Cool J gets multiple cool moments. LL yep. Cool J, like he doesn't get to punch a shark, but he could have gotten to punch a shark. But he got to blow one up. He gets to blow one up. And that's just, Ooh, as, I guess. He not only does he blow it up, but he like flings the lighter directly onto the shark's head, which yeah. is just, I mean, he LL Cool like J. at it practically. <laughs> <laughs> I I love too that I I do love that in Thomas Jane's writing the shark fin moment he is also um I love that he gets harpooned through the leg when oh, yeah. L gets the shot like watching that go into the meat of his leg is awful and then when and Thomas just like blow it up blow it up I'm going down man you got to blow this up and there's the explosion it, it is and I what is it like 45 feet of shark and you hit me it's like that's a great <laughs> final disaster movie <laughs> moment right there yes yeah. And then yeah. we get the, the next shift, the Monday workers, mm-hmm. I guess, showing up at exactly the right moment. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine that commute to work and you're like, something's wrong. <laughs> and where are they commuting from? Like a larger island, I guess. Yeah. That's what I was wondering too. Like, cause we're the way that they, like the way they show like the, like the, the weather radar at one mm-hmm. point and it looks like Aquatica is pretty far off the coast it's yeah. like it looks like it's halfway between hawaii and the california coast it's like are we just taking that tiny raft to and from work every day have these people been boating for 20 hours to get out here <laughs> we get home and they can turn around again yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine coming like i feel like that's the only workplace we're showing up and your entire workplace is submerged and there's like chaos has just completely unfolded i do feel like that is something that, you know, every day, like when you really don't want to go to work and you wake up and I don't know. And you're just like, man, what if like 
there's just a natural disaster. Like, what if there's like a reason to close the, the store today? What if there's a reason to not come to work? Maybe there's a power outage. Do you, th- right. do you think that one guy was like, God, I just wish the facility would sink so I don't have to come into work today? And he gets he gets on the boat and then he shows up and he's like, Oh no. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is and this is the moment where Amanda, feeling smug, sees the disaster in front of her and she's like, This is why I don't stay on with the skeleton crew. She's just like, I told you. Like she she's uh-huh. Amanda's standing on the front of that boat, just shaking her head with disappointment but self-satisfaction. Absolutely yeah. not. Before I she be- springs into action and becomes like safe, like uh, like philanthropic no. for everybody. She's like, I would not okay, do any of those things. Safety provisions. I would not do any of those things because what would happen is I would see that I would show up, I would see that happen, go. <laughs> Oh, I quit. <laughs> and then just like go sit inside the boat. I mean, like, I'm not getting. Getting... Do you think you wouldn't help people in, a, in that kind of moment? I mean, I would help. I think you kind of would. I well, feel like I you would, would help, like a... but like there's two people to help. So yeah, it's not as if I'm going to, but I'm not like going to go and be like, well, I'm going to go check the facility to see. No, I don't think you're going to do that. But I think, I think I imagine you going to the people who need medical attention and yes. being like, I know where the, I know where this, like this th- three day supply of bandages is because it's right in there. I'm not going to go any lower, but yeah. like, I know where the safety material is on the surface area on the, yes. on the deck. And like, we, like the way that doctor very blithely was like, well, he'll be okay. As long as we get him out of here to LL Cool J. It's like, Mm, his leg was nearly ripped off. I think he's going to bleed out in about five minutes. Actually, yeah. he was, he was operating pretty for a guy who had a harpoon through his leg. And then it was wrenched through the other side oh, as the yeah. shark swam out through a grate. He was doing remarkably well. Oh yeah. Thomas Jane was swimming heartily. Yeah. I mean, good. For, I, I hope that there's like, I know that there are sequels to deep blue sea, but I'd like to think somewhere there's a buddy comedy about the two of them taking like the lawsuit earnings that they have and opening <laughs> and opening like a beachside bar restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's nice. I just, want that for yeah, them. Yeah. Like right on the sand style where Thomas yeah. can just like mix it up with the locals and, and preacher just gets to like be yeah. a chill beach guy. I He's like got that. like six He's parrots and no one questions it. it. What was that? Yeah. I was saying they keep a shark in a tank and Thomas Jane does a lunchtime show where he swims around. <laughs> lunchtime, the lunchtime show, lunch in a show. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Tampa. <laughs> I could completely see a franchise version of like shark swimming, like a, a Bubba Gump style franchise, but it's got a shark swimmer in it. Mm. I could totally see that. Well, I learned I recently. That's not a real restaurant. i learned recently that you can't um if like you can't it's kind of like there's no extradition in florida like you it's like Mm -hmm. you you can't they're not gonna like charge you for the somebody explained this to me recently because they knew somebody their criminal past um in their family and they like moved to florida because there was a lot of heat coming from the other state they lived in they're like i'm gonna go to florida where they basically like wouldn't be pursued and um so i what yeah, I'm not 100% clear on, like, I haven't researched this, but, like, I was like, wait, are you saying that, like, and she was like, yeah, and I was like, okay, this is crazy, this is why, this is why Florida is, like, the the cacophony of the human experience that it is, I think Thomas Jane could go live discreetly in Tampa for the rest of his days, and nobody's gonna wonder about that convict past, and nobody's gonna question it, nobody's gonna ask for the paperwork, like you said, work for cash, work for cash at your beach bar, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I think that what I think Thomas Jane is now set for life in this film because like 
he's getting he I mean he's he's that's a really big lawsuit right there. Yeah. And there that company's gonna want to NDA him so hard they'll pay him yeah. any amount of money to not say anything. There's gonna be so much and that facility had to have been insured. So they're gonna be getting <laughs> yeah. a lot of money. It's not like the it's not like the the company is gonna go bankrupt right off the bat. They're gonna yeah. first get to collect all the insurance money and then he's yeah. gonna sue the shit. He and LL Cool J will sue the hell out of them. Um so I I am optimistic of the care like we often are like, what's the rest of their life going to look like? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been so traumatized or, you know, they have serious injuries. Well, a few times I'm like, no, they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. They're going to cope with this. Yeah. Do we, do we feel okay, like this? Oh, what was that, Sarah? I'm sorry. I stepped on you. Sorry. They'll bounce back in a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> Rubber band right back. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if like Thomas Jane was kind of into the lady, but it's not like it was his main, like his love interest. It's not like it was a, a Skellen Skarsgård Janine situation. So <laughs> Janine. I, I, I don't know if that's the actress. No, that's the character's name is Janine. The actress okay. is Jackie. And it's very confusing because her names are so similarly generic. That's set, that's setting you. That's a trap for you specifically. Oh, it is. Yeah, that is 100% going to be my name blindness right there. <laughs> but yeah, like it's not like it's a Skellen Skarsgård Janine situation where you're like, how will they live without each other? Like he's going to be fine. He was kind of had the hots for her, but there was no real connection. And she kept trying to manipulate him. Yeah. She was a real dick about his his prison, his prison. Uh, oh, the doctor lady scientist. To Thomas yeah. Jane. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, God. She fully would just she just kept. I was I was rooting even without the brain manipulation. I was rooting for her to get it just because she kept being like, you think you're going to get hired elsewhere with your criminal history? Like, fuck you, lady. It's not his fault. <laughs> the carceral state is a problem. I this is a great way to gaslight someone into continuing to work in your shady shark facility. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I oh, I feel like the the last thing that I wanted to shout out is when Samuel Jackson is like explaining his tragic past when he's like, you think water's dangerous or scary? He's like, you ever seen ice? (laughs) It's like you ever seen ice move? It's like it has a mind and it wants to kill. It's like ice. Like what? Yeah, like <laughs> you think you think water's fast moving and dangerous? You ever seen ice? It's like I have indeed. And moving at a glacial pace is absolutely an idiomatic expression that we use to express things moving slowly, Samuel L. Jackson. Also, it was very weird to see him giving that monologue and be like, but sir, there is actually something that has a mind. <laughs> designed solely to kill that can move very quickly. Like you're talking about something in an abstract water is water is not as scary as the sharks within the water. So I feel like you're missing the point a little, but (laughs) you do hire Samuel L. Jackson specifically to deliver that monologue yeah, and to do it while wearing a wetsuit and still seeming cool as shit. (laughs) Yes. So true. You play the ice throwing guy in the Incredibles in a few Frozone. He's Frozone. (laughs) That came true for him. Yeah. <laughs> well observed, Sarah. Well observed on that one. The Frozone connection. Nah. Now, do we feel like that brings us to the end of Deep Blue Sea then? I, I feel very, other than just saying, damn, I forgot what a jam the closing credit song is. As soon as, I, as soon as it started to end, like I couldn't mm-hmm. remember the song specifically, but I was like, oh, wait. Wait, we're definitely going to get an LL Cool J song. We're, we're oh, definitely. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Thank God. We're getting an LL Cool J song right now. The 90s, man. The 90s, early 2000s, you can't touch it for soundtrack songs. As we discussed on the Godzilla episode with Van, uh, Come With Me by Diddy. Mm-hmm. Like that song outlives that movie so much harder. Like it just is. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. 
It was, I mean, I, when I, when I watched now and then for uh, the other, <laughs> for, for Sarah's podcast, uh, you are good. I, I did tweet about like how amazing nineties soundtracks are Ooh. because like, and no ge- wow. like, generations will never get to experience this again because no. we don't do soundtracks like this. And so that is one of the great joys for me whenever we do an, uh, one of these disaster movies is like, what is the song I forgot existed? Mm. That is going to be weird. Like where that is going to be genius writ a geniusly written song just by the barest threads related to the, <laughs> to the topic material. And LL provided, he really did look up. Like he, re- he opened up an encyclopedia Britannica. I was like, what do <laughs> sharks do and have? And then he talked, <laughs> and then he talked about it. What do they rap. do and have? Oh yeah. He, his, his hat is, his hat is like a shark's fin. Uh-huh. Oh, it genius. Is. A genius yeah. line. I don't know how it is. <laughs> Like I, it makes no sense, but I, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Your hat is like a shark's fin. You are correct. LL Cool J. <laughs> now, are we ready to move on to what this movie was really about then? I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Who, Sarah, would you like to start? Would you like to follow up after one of us? Um, well, I have a partial answer. So okay. I think this movie is about the consequences of optimism. Oh, um, I'll leave it at that. What do you guys think? Wow, grim. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think that this is a movie about how even with like the arrogance of science e- exists even with good intentions. Mm. Mm. I think this mm-hmm. is a movie about, you know, you've got the doctor lady scientist has like a really good, she's not doing this for selfish reasons. They make that really clear that like she's experienced pain. This isn't about money. This isn't about like- yeah her personal genius and her, her legacy. This is her trying to solve a problem that has existed in her life and has caused her tremendous psychic pain. And that Mm -hmm. therapy would have probably been a better solution for than shark tampering. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I definitely think that as a result, you kind of get this like, well, even with good intentions, it doesn't matter. It's still what the road to hell is paved with. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that this is a movie about how even the best intentions scientifically can lead to abominations. And we Mm. can't, we can't prioritize our needs as humans over the needs of the greater ecosystem Mm. because um, prioritizing our needs will lead to destruction. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say this movie, this movie is in the way that things are prequels uh, and the way that everything's a prequel to Mad Max. This, this movie is, this is, I watch these movies now and I just see any villainy that's not like explicitly like tech villainy as almost like quaint. (laughs) And so I'm going to just like, I'm going to do the thing where you like, you honk the horn, but you're honking at the car, like three cars ahead of you. I'm going to like leapfrog honk and say that this movie is about um, the evils of Silicon Valley billionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Because if this is bad, because this is bad and deciding to like, screw with sharks and make them super soldiers basically and then blame them for being super soldiers and have to kill them because of the mess you made then silicon valley companies that like have put all of civilization into tiny little things in our hands and they're extremely irresponsible and they're often chauvinist libertarian like quote-unquote libertarian assholes who are making so many decisions about our lives and are completely reckless and ill-equipped to do so and um, so many of them are just rich people that want to live forever uh yeah this is like oh man you guys think to me i watch this i'm like you guys think this is bad 
wait for 15 years when the Silicon Valley's super assholes get here. Every time I see the trailer, every time I would watch Yellow Jackets, um, I would watch the, the trailer for Super Pumped would come on the like the the story of Uber with starring like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And every oh, right. time he screams something like hostily inspirational at his team in the show, I want to leap through the TV and set him on fire because I'm like, you are the downfall of man. You and the Red Scare podcast are the downfall of man. <laughs> and I so, yeah, th- this just this is a movie that makes me think of how much worse the villains can be. And those villains are mm-hmm. Silicon Valley villains. So you're almost I getting a pass for me on this one. Deep Blue Sea, because Silicon Valley makes me so mad. But I do love sure. the price of optimism. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's hard to not be reminded of Elizabeth Holmes. Ooh, yeah. This, oh, yeah. Who's also a lady with a big idea and a deep voice. <laughs> and I, know that, I know hot people need work and everything but i think that if you're a disgraced ceo maybe you shouldn't be played by a really hot person i don't know i don't i know i, I hear what you're saying that's like a yeah. it's like a cosmically validating thing that like are we really gonna yeah. like do we give them the treat remember you yeah absolutely Give like let's see make strictly make unders if you're a distra- disgraced figure even if you yourself yeah. are a are like a like a wonderfully you know a desirable individual it's like nope sorry we're gonna we're gonna fully make under whoever plays you to be like an un an inaccurate representation of you just to yeah. be like screw you this is the record this is what people are gonna see and that's American justice <laughs> <laughs> not being as hot as you thought that you were yes. <laughs> It's what they deserve. <laughs> That's American justice. Sharks eating eating people is American justice. Um, I I I don't think I have any. I don't have any like casting invocations for this one. Um, do either of you? Hmm. Not particularly. It's a tough one because like I don't know if someone would come to me. If someone came to me, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I want to remake this. I just <laughs> it's not bad enough or good enough to fall into either of those categories. So I don't know that I would. I think that the only thing I would do is just like, yeah, I'd make I'd make Thomas I'd make Samuel Jackson um, more of a hero, and I ah. would make um, I would I would probably eliminate Michael Imperial, not Michael Imperioli. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Sopranos, Michael Rappaport. Michael, Michael Rappaport. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> just because, like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why indeed? I don't why need him in this. Just- have a, an additional character know all that stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't he, and also he doesn't provide a lot of insight they're like what happens to the facility if it floods he's like well it sinks it falls apart yeah, yeah like <laughs> I, I also could have told you that that is <laughs> indeed what happens when a facility floods with water hmm. okay so then are we does that take us to the towering infernos then yeah i'm at towering infernos I, mm-hmm. I, you know, what? I'm going to go, I'm going to kind of inflate this one a little bit. It's, it's higher than I think it should be, but I am judging it on the shark movie index. I'm going to give this movie a four. I'm okay. going to give this movie a four. I think it is a, I think it's a definitive shark disaster movie. I think it's a classier shark disaster movie than the, the bulk of what we see in that specific subgenre that is really hard to do. Right. Whereas like, obviously 47 meters down is a better shark disaster movie. Yes. 47 meters down is an impeccable shark disaster movie and harrowing drama. Um, but I'm going to give this a four. I think it does yeah. cheesy shark blockbuster 
kind of kind of exactly how I want it to be with the direct comparison of the Meg being like, this looked like it was going to be the apex of shark disaster. But then it was like, wait, you got like somehow you didn't entertain me enough despite the ridiculousness. And that is something that Deep Blue Sea did looking a little more goofy than this movie did, which which looked like more of like, you know, rock modern day Jason Statham production values. So, yeah, I'm going to give it credit for being a real upscale shark disaster movie. All right. Sarah, where are you falling? Yeah, I would also call this the champagne of shark disaster. <laughs> um, and I also would give it a four because I think, hey. I, to me, the biggest problem structurally is that it really overwhelms you so much in the first, like, I don't know, 40 minutes, but like everything after that feels a little bit anticlimactic mm. and it could have been structured better but also there's so many showstopper moments that it just like i don't know i just love it when a movie just makes me go like oh my god they're <laughs> doing it they are doing it absolutely that happen multiple times and that gets a four from me yeah i like that okay amanda where are you at yeah i think i'm a 3.5 okay like it's a good movie. I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy it dramatically more every time LL Cool J is on screen. <laughs> yeah. And that's just like something that I always forget every, like I remember about this movie that I like it because we get LL Cool J. I remember very little else about this film between what viewings. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it can't go higher for me is because it's good. But I other than LL Cool J's existence, I often forget about this film. Like I even to the point where I hadn't watched it in a few years. And as I was watching it and LL Cool J like gets attacked by the shark. And I, in those last two minutes, you think he's going to die. Mm-hmm. I was like, Fuck, I thought I remembered he lived. And I had totally mind wiped that. I thought the bird mysteriously made it out when the bird got, I, I thought- was like, no way the bird comes back. And then when the movie ended, didn't, I was like, wow, bird didn't come back. Totally. Yeah. Did. I also, but I was also rooting for the bird to die yeah, at that point yeah. because that was not a likable animal. <laughs> they they managed to make that an unlikable animal and which is rare. Like they don't normally manage to do that. Normally you're like, yeah, I normally you're like, yeah, I want that animal to live no matter how troublesome it's been. But that bird, I was like, man, fuck you, bird. Amanda's, Amanda's anti, <laughs> anti-bird. I, I just, I thought that bird was, did, uh, took unnecessary risks. <laughs> then again, maybe if he had been explained to the bird that it was underwater and there was a risk of sharks. You could be right. Yeah. All right. So that, like, uh, Amanda, I feel like we need to sort out um, well, what we're doing next. First, my question to Sarah is, Sarah, do you think that there was a daddy in this film? Oh, that's right. Bonus question. Yes, great question. Oh, it totally was. And it was LL Cool J, right? Because All right. And that he's called upon to do something that he is in no way prepared to do is just a <laughs> random guy who works on this strange thing in the ocean and <laughs> figures it out and everybody else to get through it. And I'm going to try what he said about making an online. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I truly love that when he was like, what's my legacy going to be? Let's begin with the perfect omelet. And then when he was like, <laughs> people add, people think add milk for density and that's a mistake. It's like, no, people add milk for, to aerate eggs. They don't add it to make Maybe omelets more dense. They add it to lighten them. Job. This is why I'm not a chef. This is why I'm not a chef. <laughs> but also, again, we don't know for sure that he ever completed culinary school because the man <laughs> insisted on cooking with a bird in his kitchen. Yeah. So big red flag. 
he also might have had some questionable cooking beliefs. We don't know how good of a chef he was. No one ever. Maybe that's why he's so forgettable to the rest of the crew. <laughs> Nobody likes. Well, Samuel Jackson does compliment him on the food. Oh, he does. Okay. That's yeah. True. When they're up, when they're up topside, uh, the night he gets there, he's like, man, that food is tremendous. Okay. Fair. Okay. So he, he is at least, so maybe, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe you got to not add the eggs in or add the butter, the milk in. Yeah. All right. I'm following your lead. LL Cool J two egg omelet. <laughs> All right. Well, Sarah, is there anything before we let you go? Is there yes. anything that you want to promote? Are there, do you happen to have any podcasts or any books that you've been working on or anything oh. that you want to share with the world? Oh, well, now I feel like I should announce I'm running for president. Um, okay. Thank God. That's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. I think <laughs> I'll be great at the job and um, I don't think I'll be overwhelming at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have my two podcasts, You're Wrong About and You Are Good. And you can come hear Amanda on You Are Good um, yeah. talking about Now and Then, which I think is a really special episode. Oh, what a great choice. I'm so excited. It was such, that was, that was such a, like a thrill to be on that. So thank you for having me. And, um, books, are there books? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I didn't know what else there was that you want to promote. Yeah. I know if there was like anything else that you need, but yes, those are, I mean, two yeah. of the best yeah. podcasts out there. So if you haven't listened to either of them, you should listen to them. Yeah. Fun. Give them a whirl. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, I would like to promote the experience of just taking a really long bath as long as you are able to. (laughs) That's great. That's a, you know what? Perfect. What a self-care is important. Especially if you're a girl boss shark. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The girl boss sharks, you know, the girl boss humans have really had their day, but I think the girl boss sharks are about to have, are about yeah. to get their moment that they deserve. I do want to say, I, I was very happy for the giant shark that she got like one moment of freedom in the open ocean before yeah. she died. Uh, yeah. Before no. she knew it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like because again, girl free <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these, they didn't choose this, but they now have to live with, with the, with the repercussions of what we've done. So we apologize shark for what you had to go through. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much. Sarah, and we for- appreciate you, Sarah, for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so yes. much for taking thank the you time. Thank you your, for your time. Yeah, thank this was great. Um, all right. All right. One thing I do want to just say to you as a side note, um, just because this is so dumb, but when I was, I listened to, um, you're wrong about, um, I went on a very long road trip this summer. And so I was listening to it in the car and mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess, because I hadn't really paid attention before. I didn't notice that when Michael read something he takes very audible breaths so for the yeah. first couple times that i was listening to it i thought you were gasping <laughs> constantly at the things he was revealing a and dramatic I like, listener I, I thought that you were just being yeah okay good i was not yeah. when i finally realized I was like oh that wasn't sarah just being like <gasps> yeah and it no, was I, don't, I mean i do gasp at stuff but i yeah. have a different gasping. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very dramatic. It took me a little while. Okay. Well, Sarah, thank you so much again. This was awesome. <laughs> All right, Amanda, uh, now that we've wrapped on Sarah Marshall what? and uh, Deep Blue Sea, what could we possibly follow that up with on the next episode? I'm so glad you asked because yeah. what we have coming up after that, that thrilling shark movie is episodes nine and 10, oh. the season finale. Of La Brea. It is so exciting to to go into these episodes knowing that we get more. I know. Like, 
when we when we 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 were doing uh we were doing episodes on the I know what you did last summer TV show uh, mm-hmm. on Amazon for Ots Tyrion and for the you know for the longest time we were like that's probably not gonna get a season two but like we were hoping the whole time yeah. and then we got of course the bad news that it did not get picked up for a second season as we knew it would but it was still it was really I was like sad putting up the the final episode walk yeah. through on that pod being like, we're not going to have any more. I know you did last summer. So knowing that we're going to do nine and 10 of this, and then we've got a season two coming in the future. I am so happy about that. I'm so, I'm so happy that we get more, that we get more La Brea. I'm glad that we aren't going to go out on a cliffhanger where we're like, man, and we'll never know because yeah. we get to God. go back next, next year. We're going back. <laughs> yeah. And I can't wait. I'm, I, Especially like I was thinking again about because I was listening to episodes uh, five and six mm-hmm. to our episode on episodes five and six. And I was like, man, when she, when Dr. Lady Scientist is in the plane and says to and says to Gavin, go back to the beginning. Yeah. And you and I are both like, what could she possibly mean? And my theory was that they were in a time loop. There is no world in which you and you or I could have predicted that no. Gavin was the 10,000 B.C. child. With the crazy Ex- hair, with the crazy <laughs> hair, experiencing the t- experiencing memories like none of this was. Pr- so I, I have no idea what the fuck is in store for us with episodes nine and ten, and I'm so thrilled. Well, especially we'll- since like seven and eight, like eight felt like a season ender. That felt yeah. like that felt like information that you get when you're like, but what's going to happen in season two? We're getting two more episodes after that reveal mm-hmm. to then cl- theoretically cliffhang us again going into season two. I couldn't, couldn't guess, couldn't possibly Someone's, speculate. Someone is writing a mammoth. That's all I got. Yeah, it better be Someone Izzy. is writing a mammoth. Better be Izzy. I'm tired of her just bit, sitting on the sand. I know. Idiot boy at school. Ooh, what if, what if it's, um, Ioni Sky? Oh, that <laughs> what too. if that's where Ioni Sky has been this whole time? Right. She's what the if, queen of the mammoths. What if Ioni Sky was just like, no one's paying attention to me. I'm going into the hole. Like, what <laughs> if she has been in 10,000 BC since like episode three? That would be, I, I hope that she's queen. Yeah. Like what queen. if she's been leading some tribe? What if she knew about all, that this information all along? And then she like, she too is from there. And she like went back at a certain point and was like, he'll find me. He'll find me. It's Ioni Sky's heroin and Ioni Sky's gold. <laughs> she's the kingpin of 10,000 yeah. BC Los Angeles. Well, we're going to find this out yes. when we watch it next week. <laughs> Great news. And I, for one, cannot wait. So, Jordan, in the meantime, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Jorcru, J O R C R U. And then you should listen to the uh, Feeling Scene pod on Maximum Fun. Uh, that's going and I'm about to spin up uh, another season of the whole movie podcast uh, this time focusing on cinema robots and robot politics and power dynamics and I'm really excited about that uh, that I am doing my with my friend Margot Carlson and uh, yeah you know what pay me something on patreon patreon.com slash cruciola to give me money for the things I make there you go how about you Amanda I'm on Twitter I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter I'm there um, and, uh, that's where you can find me most of the time. Just sitting on my couch, watching things on my television, needle pointing, <laughs> thrilling needle points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's, that is literally it. Uh, we are disaster underscore pod on Twitter, uh, which is another place you can find me. Cause I'm normally the one just like filling time on that too. She is. 
Um, also, you know, we, the rating and review on iTunes is great. Spotify also now has a rating system. So if you guys can take some time to go to Spotify as well and give us five stars, um, Neil Young, just as a reminder, Neil Young has not threatened to pull his music off of Spotify because of our podcast. And I think that that is, there it is guys, five stars. There it is, guys. Yeah, we're not responsible for Neil Young just deciding that he doesn't want any doesn't want to support Spotify anymore. So, and I think that implicitly means Daryl Hannah is behind us too, which I'm really excited about. I think that if anybody were to be a disaster diva, Daryl Hannah would be up there on that list. I I I, think so. I couldn't disagree. I could not possibly disagree. So yeah, so you guys uh, rate and review us on iTunes, rate us on Spotify, uh, disaster underscore pod on Twitter, disastergirlspod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see y'all back next week for the thrilling conclusion to La Brea. Yes. See you then, guys. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>